0: Hey everyone, it's Erin Carey and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. I am thrilled to be speaking with Heather Hall today. You guys are going to be blown away by the information that she brings. Well, first, let me just welcome you. Then I'm going to tell everybody who you are. So welcome to the show, Heather. Heather. Hi, Erin. I'm so excited to be here today. This is going to be so fun. Yeah. Heather and I have (laughs) worked together. I mean, not really together, but we are both on staff at Living Well, Tyler, an amazing holistic counseling and wellness center. She is director of behavioral health there. But let me tell you a little bit more because I think that this is just going to help paint a picture for where our conversation is going to go. Heather believes that all people are created in the Imago Dei image of God and have incredible worth and value. She is filled with hope for her clients as they grapple with the pain and suffering they're experiencing as they await the time when all things will be made new. She desires to be a conduit in which healing would pass through her life and experience in a way that benefits and brings hope, health, and restoration to those she counsels. Heather prefers to be out of doors whenever possible. Research has shown that walking in nature can have beneficial mental health effects on the brain and body. She offers walk and talk therapy. I love that to those interested in this counseling modality in her work with trauma survivors. She has become passionate about somatic and attachment focused EMDR therapy as she has watched countless clients heal from anxiety, panic disorders, depression, complicated grief, health issues, and body image. Her focus is on creating a safe therapeutic space filled with compassion and understanding of the past to heal in the present. So her clients can move fully into their future. Now, this is the best part y'all. She is not new to this. Heather has been a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas since 2000. As a native Texan, she attended Baylor university, earned a BS in health science and an, in, in, Imed, M- right, and health education—is that how you say it? Masters, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. <laughs> she went on to pursue an MA in counseling from Stephen F. Austin University. She is also an EMDR certified EMDR therapist and CIT. Her great pleasures include her family, gardening, hiking, and hammocking with a book. So, wow, I'm so like you're—you have so much good information just in the bio. Like, I think I could go through. And ask you questions just based on your bio and we would have a great conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But yeah, I really like that you included walk and talk therapy because I think that that that's important and it kind of leads right into the mind body and talk therapy is an amazing tool that we have, but we need to have more, right? And so why do you believe that we need to use other tools to unlock deeper trauma and find healing?
1: Yes. Well, so in my earlier days, back in the two thousands, I used to do a lot of talk therapy in the form of um, solution focused therapy and, you know, in a, with kids or in a school setting at the time, it's, it's a great therapy. It's super helpful, but it kind of stays at that level of how to fix problems, how to get things to work. Of course, you don't talk about problems. You just look at solutions. Mm -hmm. And so there was just a limited value. And of course I ran up against issues that just, it didn't seem helpful with. And, you know, there's just been so much re- research in neurodevelopment. I'm in mean, the last, you know, 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and of course, part of my story is the Enneagram, which, you know, mm-hmm. we hear all over the place, but in my Enneagram work, I discovered I was an Enneagram seven. And a seven is your enthusiast, enthusiast. And I kind of look back now and sort of laugh at my, of course, I was a solution focused therapist. I don't like problems. I try to avoid pain and I kind of quickly want to jump to things that are not painful. And, um, in my work with people, I just began to, um, really realize how important it was to move into the deeper, um, the deeper levels of neurobiology attachment, polyvagal theory, and then ultimately it led me to EMDR. So when I was taking the, the Enneagram seven, it said on my profile, you know, you would benefit from looking into somatic therapy (laughs) at which point I was like, what I am, I am a therapist. What? And I went down this journey of typing in Google, you know, Amazon, you know, hey, somatic therapy and two books pop pop up. One was um, The Body Keeps the Score by uh, Bessel van der Kolk. And the other was, yeah, Waking the Tiger. Mm -hmm. So both of those books I immediately bought, started reading, and that just sort of launched me into the next phase of what I have just found to be so helpful in therapy and really provide clients and people a way to not just manage their symptoms, but really get to experience healing. Um, So that is, that's why talk therapy has moved me into, you know, this place with EMDR, polyvagal theory, attachment, the somatic attachment focus has been so um, just (laughs) life-changing. For myself yeah. and my clients.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I will say, you know, I've, I've done a show on EMDA, EMDR before, and I've kind of talked about EMDR here and there, had conversations with people, but you take things to a very different level, and you are about to drop some knowledge that I think is going to be really new <laughs> for a lot of people. Because even when we sit down and talk, or you do trainings for us at Living Well, I'm blown mm-hmm. away by realizations that I have about my own life and how I handle certain things, or some of even my physical health issues, how they are related mm-hmm. to trauma in Absolutely. my life. Absolutely. And so, can you talk, explain what does somatic
1: mean? Somatic and attachment. Okay. Okay. Somebody who's like, so what are you talking about? Yeah. So since I know you've already had a a great show on EMDR, um, which stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing in case someone's not familiar with it. Um, And it's just um, a trauma, trauma therapy that's pretty popular and very effective. Um, And, you know, it's something that was created um, with. uh, Let's see. So exposure therapy if you think about through PTSD, exposure therapy was a really common approved by the American Psychiatric Association uh, therapy. Um, But, and it still is, but what we found was, is it was a way, if you think about PTSD, war veterans coming back and going through that therapy, it was kind of a re-exposure to it. And so it's really like, if you think of like a, a graph, I mean, it's really high, like it's high intensity, high pain for several days or um, sessions, and then eventually it would kind of come down and it would be very helpful, but there was a lot of pain involved. Mm -hmm. And when EMDR came out, when it was discovered, what was better about it is the first couple sessions, you know, there is a, a pain tolerance that is part of it, but it's very tolerable. It's kind of within a window of, you know, between zero to 10, like a four to seven. And so as, you experienced that a few times, it would actually come down really quick. And so you would get similar results, but it was just a way easier process. And so I, I started to learn and get trained in EMDR. And so what I found was when people came in with like one thing, like let's say someone was um, held up at gunpoint, like a robbery situation, but otherwise had a pretty good life, you know, had good family, had good attachment, um, healthy coping behaviors. This was something you could work through pretty fairly quickly um, through the eight phases of EMDR. Ooh, that's very rare, mm-hmm. especially in this post-COVID world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that 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 most of my clients had many of those experience kinds of experiences or. You know, that's talking about trauma, which we call trauma like the bad stuff that happens to you that you didn't want to happen to you. And what I found that greatly informed that was attachment, which is the other side. That's the stuff that you really needed and wanted to happen, but didn't happen.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love where you are going with this and I'm so excited to learn more, but I want to take a second and pause and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by StoryWorth. This holiday season, I want to give a gift to my loved ones that makes them feel special and unique, just like the relationship we share. That's why I'm giving everyone I care about, Storyworth. Storyworth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It is a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most. Every week, Storyworth emails your relative or friend a thought provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions that you've never thought to ask, like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or I recently got one that was, who did you date in high school? I got to learn all about my dad's past high school relationships. Or what were your favorite toys as a child? After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved one's stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. I am so excited to have this for each of my parents because when my grandparents passed away, we lost a lot of their stories and they lived fascinating lives. And I think every story is valuable. And so I'm so glad that I'm going to get to have this keepsake book to read through my parents' memories and share them with my kids so that they can know all about their grandparents as well, even long after they're gone. Reading the weekly stories helps connect you with loved ones, no matter how near or far apart you are. Again, my dad recently answered a question that was all about how, who he dated in high school, and I've never thought to ask him that question at all, but it was really neat to read and kind of cool to see who he was before he was my dad. With StoryWorth, I am giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to StoryWorth.com slash spark and save $10 on your first purchase. That's StoryWorth.com slash spark to save $10 on your first purchase. All right, Heather, you're talking about attachment and childhood. So can we get back into that and how that plays a role into our adult lives.
1: So when someone came in and didn't have that basic need met of connection, I mean, our brains are absolutely wired for connection and safety. And so if those needs weren't met in the early, early zero to five development, um, or there was a series of traumas, big T or little T as we like to call it, Um, then we get symptoms, right? We get anxiety, depression, the things, you know, panic attacks. Those are the things that people come in with. And so that is kind of what I was seeing. And so I was like, okay, EMDR, everyone, it's really great, but it just feels like it's missing something. And I came across this somatic, which is body and attachment focused EMDR. Um, So there's a few different schools on that. So I, I learned one, and then I just got back from a training this weekend with it was called Somatic Integration Processing um, from another uh, place called Beyond um, Healing Center. And they do an amazing job combining uh, the EMDR, which is an adaptive information processing. It's kind of what all trauma is, is um, the model that kind of is, is your trauma model. Um, and then it combines polyvagal theory. That's if, if you're not familiar familiar with, well, Stephen Porges came up with that, but then Dan Siegel's done an amazing job writing lots of books like Mindsight and Aware. Um, and we can talk about that later and then, uh, combining attachment and neurodevelopment. So those three things combined is like, this is the rock star (laughs) way to really Uh. start to see how trauma affects a nervous system
0: what I find so interesting and I've noticed in talking to people who have experienced trauma or just researching trauma for myself my own trauma is that trauma seems to be kind of one of those things we have a tolerance for until a point right right um right and it's, right. it's kind of like I, I almost like a food sensitivity <laughs> this is <laughs> just bear with me but um Go it's with like it. You, you you get once you have enough of it your body says nope no more I'm shutting down. And I think that our bodies are amazing and resilient and we can withstand so much big T, little T, Mm -hmm. whatever. But I, I, it Mm -hmm. seems that we're all kind of reaching a breaking point with trauma. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because our nervous systems are dysregulated because of this fast paced modern world we're living in Mm -hmm. or uh, I I don't know, or maybe we're just not being taught how to handle it. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like we're all holding on
1: to a lot,
0: or maybe we just yes. are aware of it. Maybe there's more awareness. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yes, I think yes to all of that. Um, and I know you you talk so much too, just about the role of nutrition um, and and the role of you know you in mental health together. And I think you know going back to what you're saying of like what's happening that we're hitting this like shutdown mode. And if we could talk about polyvagal theory for just a moment, I think it might be a really great setup to lead into the body just to kind of start to think through like, how, how are our brains formed? Like, where are the different regions of our brain and how do they work?
0: Yes. And before we get into that, I want to pause for a quick second, hold that thought. And I want to take a second to thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. I do not have to remind anybody that this past year has presented so many challenges in every area of our lives, from the living room to the virtual boardroom. You can keep putting in the work at home and let Indeed do the work of hiring. Indeed is a hiring partner that gets you what you really want. A short list of quality candidates as fast as possible because you can do it all. Attract, interview, and hire all at Indeed. Don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed can help you hire the right people right now. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. One of the things that I love about Indeed that makes hiring all in one place so easy is that with Indeed assessments, you can reduce hiring time by 12% according to Indeed data worldwide. So, finding great talent doesn't have to be a second job because we don't have time for that. You can hire faster and better than ever with Indeed. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com/spark. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com/spark. indeed.com/spark. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed so heather let's get back into polyvagal theory and help me understand how this plays a role in the mind body connection that we've been discussing
1: so if you think about um polyvagal poly you know meaning many and vagal that's pertaining to the vagus nerve i mean stephen porges came up with this um you know it's pretty popular theory but um you know the vagus nerve is this nerve that connects the brain and nervous system to the heart, to the viscera, all those organs of the body, right? Okay. So it innervates all through our body. And he came up with this, this term called neuroception. And that's this, this way that the, our body knows stuff like before our mind does and meaning mind, meaning like those higher levels of thinking. So he kind of takes sort of an evolutionary biology perspective of, you know, the reptilian brain at the bottom. That's like your lizard, you know? It's going to sense things and move, then moving up through your mammalian brain, and then up to our logical brain, you know, our prefrontal cortex that's just really developed. And the very, if you think of it like a ladder, right, at the very top of it, you have, um, you have the social, it's where we're at social engage, engagement. That's like this, we call it our ventral vagus nerve. And that is your rest and digest that, Erin, I know you love (laughs) when you teach your mindful eating classes. And I send clients uh, to you because I want them to know how to be calm and how they think about their food. Like they need to be in, in that high. We call that the ventral vagal. Response where um, where we can digest our food, right? Because our body's not in fight, flight, or freeze. I mean, we woke up in the morning; it was a beautiful morning. We're driving to work; the music's going. It's it's a beautiful, you know, scenery. We're calm, right? But then all of a sudden, on the way to work, you hear those sirens, <gasps> and all of a sudden, you're at the top of the ladder. You drop down to that midbrain, right now you went, Oh, did I do something wrong? Is there a place just pull me over? Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh gosh. I don't have enough money for this. I don't have time for this. I'm late for work and all the thing. And Oh, what just happened? Heart rate just went up. Blood pressure just went up. Now we just dropped from ventral vagal nerve innervation down to uh oh sympathetic nervous system, right? We were in parasympathetic. Now we're in sympathetic and Hey, that's our fight flight. Matt start thinking through how this trauma is going to hit here. So we're in fight flight, right? We don't, we don't want to run away from the cop, right? But our body's kind of like, "Uh oh, right. And we're feeling it. And so if someone now think about trauma for a minute, if someone is in fight or flight, and let's say you're a child, and you are in a situation where there's, there's a situation where you're being harmed or abused, and you can't get out, right? You can't run away. Where are you going to go? You're five. You can't fight. You can't beat up an adult or an uncle, right? So then God made our brains to have this dorsal shutdown. It's the dorsal nerve, the dorsal vagus nerve. And that's where we will go numb. we call that the freeze part of fight, flight, or freeze. Now we've come down and like, we're just staying alive. But if something bad's happening to you, it's super duper helpful. To be able to maybe not feel it and go numb or to dissociate and not really be in your body to be there, but not there. And I don't know if you've noticed, but it just seems like there's a lot of people that feel really stuck there for longer periods of time than they want. Now, normally when there isn't trauma, we move through those three things I just said through freeze, fight or flight, social engagement. You're, you need to move through those probably all during the day. But it's when we kind of get stuck in one that it's this way that sort of trauma um, has has entered our environment. And when 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 trauma is in our brain, now what I just described, that's just normal between you and your environment. That's just the picture of like a gazelle running from a tiger, right? And 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 that's a good thing, right? You want to be able to do that. And if the tiger does get you after you've done your fight or flight, you want to be able to not feel, mm-hmm. right? For obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but with trauma, now what's happened is it's not just our environment, it's this sort of perceived memory. Now our brains pulling from our amygdala hippocampus memory networks, and they have this weird way of sort of being stuck sort of on autopilot and the thing is is it's not safe to feel safe when you actually are safe yeah you know so then we start having those panic attacks and and here you're like I am safe my brain my 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 prefrontal cortex knows that I'm safe but it don't feel safe and that that creates such dissonance right when you know you shouldn't feel this way but you do
0: Right. Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) I'm just, I'm sitting here nodding. Listeners can't see, but I'm like, yes, this is that whole not safe to feel safe.
1: Oh my gosh. When you are safe, Mm -hmm. right. It's that, it's that thing you do right with your husband, when you're in the middle of this argument and you feel your body has just totally in sympathetic, it's in fight mode (laughs) and it's over something that, you know, three hours later, you're like, what, what are we fighting about? <laughs> your yeah. brain knows like this, this isn't it. This is not it. This doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But boy, at the time, your body is like, oh no, it's like life or death <laughs> is what it feels yeah. like at the time, you know? Yeah. And that's sort of like, if you can begin to create a little bit of a shift Sort of that's where we'll kind of get into mindfulness and awareness when you start to bring in that curiosity of, oh, huh, I'm feeling that felt sense in my body feels really bad. Huh? I wonder what it is. I wonder what it wants. And almost trusting and like with a kindness and a compassion, knowing that it is trying to help where it was at one time, but maybe isn't helpful now. And that's where you and I have talked in the past before about how that thing, it's, we call it a strategy, right? Or sometimes I refer to it like it's its my answer to pain. It's what I tend to do when pain comes because I, I try to avoid it at all costs <laughs> for myself. You can really see it with your kids, <laughs> You, like there's this extension of your own body. And it's like, I can listen yeah. to my clients all day long, tell me stories and, and be in that place. But all of a sudden, if it's my daughter or my son, that's hurting it's some, I do very, some very different things that I do in a, in a therapy mm-hmm. room. Right. So, um, but you start to notice the different ways that the things that become overdeveloped, right. That worked at the time. And I mean, maybe some examples, um, within your body. So this is getting to your body. So let's say that, um, I grew up in a household with a father who was alcoholic and maybe my body knows the moment he opens that door. I mean, before my mind knows my body knows the way he walks, the way, it's picking up, right? I'm picking. My nervous system is picking up if I'm in danger or not, because it's mm-hmm. all about safety. So my nervous system picking up danger. Now, there's several. There's about like the nine enneagram types, but there's nine body types, nine somatic types, mm-hmm. and they do actually go with the enneagram, enneagram some way in some way. So that can be a really interesting discussion. But think about different options I might have as a child, like if I'm in danger. When my father walks in, I could become invisible, right? I could sort of be that kid who just kind of goes off in the corner and colors, right? I mean, I'm going to stay out of the way. Hey, maybe I just kind of am always sort of in my room. And that strategy could work to keep me from experiencing pain. And it might follow me right through school. I just kind of learn to be kind of against the wall in the back of the room. Maybe I take a different approach. Maybe I'm the doer. Maybe I'm the perfectionist, the one, the Enneagram one. Right. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to be like pretty perfect. That way I will never trigger a response from my dad. Right. So, so think about that. That's a good answer. It probably totally worked. And so what do you do? Your body just keeps doing it and it gets really good at it. And it makes you amazing today at what you probably do. So you start thinking about like what your job is and how really your answer, your strategy kind of got you honed that skill and you are great at it, but you're almost so great at it that the thing that was harder for you to do. So let's say you were invisible. Well, maybe you might have a problem in your relationships doing what's harder might be showing up,
0: Mm.
1: not hiding in a relationship, right? You can be in a relationship and be hiding. And so, so you can start to see how these strategies were helpful at one time, But they're, the thing you're really good at is the thing that's probably going to get in your way now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that is okay. So, so many thoughts. So, (laughs) I mean, that's so, (laughs) so good, but it's so it's, I I think it's interesting even going back to when you're talking about childhood trauma or any kind of a, what Mm -hmm. would you call these like coping, coping mechanisms, anything that you do, yeah, we're trying to keep our body safe. It, and our that's, bodies are you know, it all thing. comes that's, down to that,
1: Aaron. Yeah, that's what that, it sounds I like mean, you're saying. Yeah. Two things, safety, connection. Mm. The, so safety is that, 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 that's the huge, I mean, all trauma is around safety and that mm-hmm. is what our nervous systems brains. That's what we are, are, has to happen for us to do the next thing, which is connect. Yeah. And that is just how we as humans are wired. We are wired to connect. And so, you know, when we start thinking even about, um, how to calm down our nervous system, how do we get into dorsal vagal? Right. I mean, no, no, we don't want to be in dorsal vagal. It sounds great. Right. (laughs) I just want to be calm. I want to rest and digest. I want to be in that place, but it's one thing to want that. It's another way to feel your body being like, Nope, Nope, Nope. Don't rest. You know what happened last time you rest? Things did not go well. So we can develop that, you know, hyper sensitivity, Mm. maybe that hyper vigilance. Um, So one thing I do do with clients, um, you know, we might talk about, Hey, you know, where are you on boundaries? Like, do you tend to be more like the wall on one end of the spectrum, you know, where you kind of stay detached or let's move to the other side, or maybe are you more of a doormat, right? Where you maybe overshare personal information and, So, and we kind of look at a continuum. We're all somewhere on that continuum. You can probably right now think of yourself. I'm a little more on this side and you can think of your friends, you know, you can put everyone on those places. Well, another, so we might do some boundary exercises. We might experience in our body what it's like to to set a boundary, maybe to say no, you know, with sometimes I'll do these, like um, we call them experiments. Mm -hmm. So I might set up and I just might say, Hey, you want to play the no game? you you wanna try a game? I'll say, sure, you know. So I'll say, okay, I'm gonna say something really ridiculous and all you have to do is just say no. And so I might say, hey, Aaron, after after we do this podcast, like I'm really busy, like I want to go to yoga and I need to work out. So like could you uh, drive my kids? I've got four of them, and they are like in all kinds of sports. one of them has a game out like in <laughs> two hours away and and I mean, I'm gonna really be busy. so, could you drive them out there and pick up Chick, Chick Chick-fil-A on the way? And right. And would you do that for me? No. And then no, Aaron's got good boundaries. Um, But I will have clients who, when I say that they will look at me and the eyes will just flood knowing they need to say no, their brain knows that is ridiculous and totally unprofessional. And you should call my ethics (laughs) ever as you do that. Right. But they have the hardest time. So sometimes I'll say something ridiculous. They'll be able to say it, but then if I have some pillows on the couch, they sit on I'll say, and and so I'll kind of keep going down to make it easier and easier. They're still supposed to say no. And then I'll say, Hey, can you hand me that pillow? And they'll just like hand it to me and I'll look at them. Like you were supposed to say no. And they're like, Oh, but it was, but it was so easy. It wasn't hard for me.
0: Hmm. And I'm like,
1: yeah, but did you check in with your body? Like, did you check in to see just because it was easy. And just think about like moms, (laughs) just think about, right. Like the world that we live in and we tend to go, Oh, well, if if I can do it, if it's easy, I'll just do it. And -hmm. think about how much we kind of get ourselves into trouble just because we don't take a second to check in with what Mm -hmm. we might need. Mm -hmm. And if you grew up with a negative, like belief, or it's been in your experience that you know, you kind of are that body type of like, I'm the rock, right? I don't, I don't, I endure suffering, right? I'm, um, and, and they'll have a body type that kind of looks like they're holding a rock. It's kind of, they endure suffering and maybe as a child, they needed to hear like, um, I matter what I want and what I need matters. But, and I, and I know this is one for myself that I mean, I will immediately assume anything that's happening to me is for everyone else, Hmm. and I have to like really do the hard work of like checking in, be like, wait, do I is like do I matter at least as much as other people, (laughs) right, or my children? Yeah. So, yeah. So, but um, so we we'll do experiments, and they're really not a right or wrong thing. It's just I like to start to go. Hey, you know what? It's really true. Your body knows stuff before your mind. (laughs) One of my favorite Aaron is, is, is I'll say, okay, you can think about this. Like, do you think you tend to be on the spectrum more on the, I'm going to say the word insensitive, but I don't mean like, like the way we think of it insensitive. I think like, doesn't deeply feel the pain of others. Like, you know, I'm just not like super sensitive to someone else's needs you might be a wonderful person caring all that but you just don't feel it and so i would just say like my husband's kind of like this like we've had we have a crazy street we live on it's pretty dangerous and there's been some wrecks and he's usually first on the scene and he can handle that and 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 see that level of trauma and then be like okay you ready for lunch (laughs) i'm like what is wrong with you like (laughs) don't you need to kind of decompress and But that he just doesn't deeply take in the pain of others. And if you went to the other side of the spectrum and I said, okay, or are you hypersensitive, right? Do you deeply feel the pain of others? And I'll get a lot of clients, uh, well, on both sides, but really often on that hypersensitive, right? Like, Hmm. and, and you think about this, if you grew up in a household where it was really important to sense your caregivers, so that you could stay safe. You learned that you became a hyper like you're saying, like, okay, what is it about mm-hmm. COVID? Right. That we're all like pretty fried. And it's like, well, because there's actual danger out there. And we're you, we all were overly sensing our environment. Right. Like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, in the early days, oh, there's, there's people in the store. I got to avoid, you know, and, and so we, we had that. We had, we had to oversense our environment. Well, imagine if you just grew up constantly like that. Right. So your system would become finely tuned. It would be helpful. It would keep you safe. Good job. Good strategy. Mm -hmm. But when you do that over time, all of a sudden it becomes really difficult. So I'll say, Hey, let's, you want to play a game? You want to play the scarf game? (laughs) And I'll go over there and I'll let you hold one side of the scarf. I'll hold the other side. And I'll, and I won't give any directions. This is just a, huh, notice that. Be curious about that, about your body. And so I might pull, on my end of the scarf. And what do you notice? And Aaron, it is so interesting. I, after I hear people's stories, some people will, you know, extend their arm and lean and get, if as more I pull, they'll just pretty much get up out of their, the couch and come toward me. Hmm. They will not pull back. And some people like my husband, Enneagram eight, for instance, the, (laughs) you know, the challenger I mean, if I pull, what do you think he's going to do?
0: Yanks it back, right? Oh, he's going to
1: yank it right back. Like, <laughs> oh, no, you will not take this from me, right? And it, if it doesn't go, or some people will just let let their hand loose and just let, let that relation just fall right through. And of course, mm-hmm. I didn't say relationship. I give them no direction, but very interestingly, they will have a body reaction to that. Like oh. it will be almost tears or I'll do the game where like I'll just let go while they're holding on and tears will just come their body will just feel it and I'll say what do you notice about that oh I didn't like that at all and then I'll we'll switch it and I'll say well were you want to try letting go now what was that like that was better right maybe they had more control but it just depends on their how, you know what they came in with but I can tell you so far 100% it mimics Whatever they did with their body in that one exercise is what they do in their relationships.
0: Ooh, that's so, okay. I got to say, cause yes. you taught this to Richard. Okay. Richard brought it home to me talking about my husband here. And we were doing this exercise. And I remember what I found so interesting is that he had me, he said, okay, now I'm going to let go. We're both holding the end of, I think I don't remember what it was like a t-shirt or I don't know what we had uh-huh. that we could use. And he, he's like, okay, now I, you hold on to the end of this. He's like, no, I'm going to let this go. Are you giving me permission to let this go? And I was like, yeah. You let it go, no problem. He let it go, and then I was mad at him for letting it go. <laughs> I'm like, that—that's me. Like, I, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like step all over me. It's cool, you know. Like, I, I uh, as just, long you
1: know. as you don't let it go, right? Yeah, right? yeah, super interesting. Yeah, and so when you start, oh my yes, so you start to build this awareness where you're like, oh, like my mind said, hello, it is, a, it is a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm okay. This is a perfect example of when you're in dorsal on this, you know, on our, Mm -hmm. on our polyvagal, when you're, I'm sorry, when you're at ventral, when you're at the top, you know, rest and digest, when you're there, your brain's like, I'm safe. I'm fine. I'm safe. And I'm Mm -hmm. connected to, you know, you're connected to Richard, like he's right here, but something happens in our body with that Mm -hmm. perception. And, and I just love that because it's such a beautiful picture of. I could tell that clients want to go into that left brain, like, oh, let me make a narrative about this. Let me create a story around this. And the reality is, is that belief system and that strategy is already so tight in that, in the system and the nervous system. And it's going to find a story that says why you should be mad that Richard let that go. Mm. And it Mm. will find a good story. Right. yeah, And then, and then what it does is it confirms, we call it, it confirms what you believed already hmm. that it's harder to trust because what if someone lets go? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that shows up in relationships. So as therapists and as, as people who want to grow and heal in our trauma, like the good, good news is that we can, you know, through therapies, but just through even like yoga through mindful eating. Mm -hmm. Like we can learn ways to become aware of what's happening in our body and to sort of invite some curiosity into it. Mm -hmm. Um, some compassion along a high dose of compassion, along with that curiosity. And we can start to begin, um, to sort of shift that in our body. Um, and so when that happens, we start to move back up into that ventral, that rest Mm -hmm. and digest. And we can bring this calmness into the system When we can do that with ourselves, Erin, then imagine we can do that with our kids. Yeah. We can do that with our husbands because ultimately once we feel safe, the way that happens, the way we're set up is through connection. You know, it's not like I love the woods, but man going on a walk with my husband in the woods or a safe person, <laughs> right. In the woods, that is this place of connection, um, for us. And it's, it is, almost always through another person. We are meant to co-regulate, mm-hmm. right? We have that mm-hmm. caregiver. We had that baby in our hands, in our arms, and they were crying. And we just went, shh, 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 shh. and mm-hmm. our nervous system starts to regulate their nervous system. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what we're, I'm doing in counseling mm-hmm. or I'm doing with myself, but man with another person mm-hmm. is just so, um, so important because. Mm-hmm the connection goes with the safety. It's just how we're wired. And that's why we're built to need each other. You know, that's why we eat with people. You know, you talk about that all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Like safe Mm -hmm. people, (laughs) right? But, um, we're just meant to connect. So, even so looking, those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So even looking at like yeah from a relationship standpoint a lot of times there's yeah. a failure to connect
0: because there's there's not the safety. And exactly. and it might not be that it's not the safety with this one person it's just something our nervous system our body yes. are experiencing on a deeper level mm-hmm. that we might not even consciously realize. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly
1: what I'm saying. Because of these coping And, for, adaptive... and I'm not saying maybe I'm saying for certain. Okay. For certain it's happening right yeah. because and so when you're with a person who is at rest and digest and they're tu- and they're connected they're tuned in they're attuned to you right it's that moment that like let's say you and i um you know had a disagreement about something and so you come to me and say say heather you know like i told you this is what time the podcast was starting and you were late and then you really kind of flip it and and if i came in and i just said well i mean it wasn't really my fault because blah, 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 you don't feel heard or seen. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I can come into that and I can make you like, I can attune with you and I can say, wow, that must've really been um, frustrating for you. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? And I mean, I wouldn't do this as a friend, but like as a therapist, or maybe I would like, just like, what was that like for you? Well, I mean, I didn't know, like I was scared, right. You imagine, take it to a deeper level, but You're scared. And if I can sit in that with you and be like, that must have been, that must have been, you know, and so all of a sudden your nervous system, right. is just, it's starting to calm down because you Mm -hmm. feel like I'm attuning with you. And so, you know, you know, therapists and others, "Mm, yeah, you know, all those things, you kind of make fun of with therapy, but those are those moments where when you're really listening you're feeling what they feel, they get to, we use the term feel felt. Mm -hmm. I like that. You know, do you feel felt? Because it's not like just, it's not an emotion necessarily. It's not even just a body sensation. It's like, it's like the sense of what it is. It, and when you feel that, right. When you're saying like, this is what I felt. And you're talking to Richard and all of a sudden you're like, he, whenever you feel that moment, like he gets me, it's like, there's something about that experience that all of a sudden, (sighs) that happens. Mm -hmm. Right. You feel seen, you feel connected. It's just such a powerful way uh, to feel connected and that helps you feel safe. Yeah. They go together. Right. And it's, but it's so hard to get
0: to that point. Mm
1: -hmm. If you have
0: years of doing things a certain way, or you're scanning for danger, or you're making these predictions because it's based on your experience and even your unconscious experience. Like I will just say my default is freeze. Always, and I didn't realize this is mm-hmm. this is crazy. I, my wow. teenager took psychology one hundred and one last year. She picked up on this thing that that I call the zone that people have joked with me about for my whole life. The zone, Erin <laughs> Land, the stare, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's wow. joked about it. She realized in in her psychology one hundred and one class that I was dissociating. I had no clue until yes. like this last year. Oh, I dissociate all the time all the time. I don't know when I do. I don't know why I wow. do. So I do know I, I need all sorts of somatic and EMDR. <laughs> but yeah. here's the thing though, that keeps yeah. me safe. I'm used to it. It's predictable. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. coping behavior, mecha- adaptive, whatever yes. you want to call it. So yeah. to use that or to find something else, that's scary. Cause this is all yeah. I know. Right. right.
1: So what do right. you do
0: with people like that? I'm,
1: I'm throwing myself oh, yeah. out there, but like, I know you that are represents so many people. So yes, what do you and do? Aaron, I mean, what you I think what you do is a lot of what you've been doing. I mean, you have been on a journey. I mean, you have shared <laughs> your journey. Like this is your journey, and it's and it's so interesting because while it's obviously hard and it's painful, and there's just I mean, you're brave to put your um your own pain out there for people because I know there's so many people listening going. Oh my gosh, that's me. And especially mm-hmm. since COVID, it's it's even worse, right? Yeah. And so that is just your nervous system trying to shut down because mm-hmm. that's what it needed to do at other periods in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. It was brilliant. It was a brilliant strategy. And so when you need it, it's there. And it's interesting because I mean there's this thing in us where we're like, okay, I need to get rid of it. No more shut down. I want to always be present. It's like, well, not necessarily. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't, we just want the ability to be present, you know? So it's like, you kind of, okay, here's, here's the analogy uh, I've, I've thought of recently, you know, like how, let's say you have a cat or like a kitten, right. And you get an, it's new. And so you, you, you bring it home in that little crate. Right. And when you bring it home, like your kids, like they want to open up that little door and just like, all crawl their little hands in there and be like, come on, come on, come play with us. Right. But that kitten is like, whoa. And it's going to back up to the very back and maybe scratch, right? Like it does not Mm -hmm. want to come out. So, you know, what's, what's maybe a better thing to do is open up the little, put it in your kitchen, open up the door, keep your kids in their room (laughs) (laughs) and you just kind of, you know, you open it, you know, you go do some dishes. You kind of play this like artful game, right? Where it kind of starts to peek its little head out, and it looks, and it see, it knows you're there, right? It knows you're there. It's, it's sensing their, its body's sensing it. It puts its head out, and you kind of look over, but you don't make eye contact too long. You kind of just give it a little glance, a little nod, and then you go back to what you're doing. And then slowly, it builds trust, and it starts to step out. And as it comes to you, you just kind of get on your knee. You wait for it. And then so many ways, Aaron, that is, it's kind of what you're, we're doing with our answer, our strategy. Like it's worked for a long time. If you try to get rid of it, it will not be having it. It's gonna, mm-hmm. you know, that shutdown, it was helpful. So we don't get rid of it. We just kind of, we play with it. We go, okay, you know, yeah, there you are. Oh, there's that thing. I that Yeah, you're right. That is a problem. I really don't (laughs) like it when that happens. Yeah, there's that. That's there. And you kind of learn how to kind of not let it become all of who you are and just become like a part of who you are. Mm. You can almost kind of put it in your hand. You kind of get a felt sense of it. And you're able to kind of go, yeah, that's like, I call that agony. Mm. And it just starts to go. Or helpless, or you know, Mm -hmm. and once you kind of put a little word on it, it sits just right with that felt sense of what it is. You can kind of pull it out of your body and it can kind of just be there, but not be like totally taking over. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can start to learn how to shift back and forth. There's a great little book I just started reading. I've been playing around with called Focusing by a guy. His last name, you can just Amazon it's called Gendlin. It says G E N D L I N. It's like, maybe an hour and a half on Amazon, on a audible. So it's almost like a podcast, you know, and it's like these five or six steps to doing that with that felt sense. It's just such a, it's such a right brain activity. um, That's so helpful. And we're in such a left brain world where like Mm -hmm. everything's, you know, a story and, you know, it's what we celebrate. Um, But we kind of bypass this other part that that's the part, the right brain's a part of our body. That's like over sensing, everything that comes in is coming into our right brain. Then it moves to our left brain. And we make story about it yep. based on how we feel. Mm-hmm. So, and then we try to counteract it going, you shouldn't feel that way. Oh, come on. Don't be a baby, right? Which doesn't help. <laughs> and then, and then you're still left feeling the same way you felt, right? Yeah. And so there's some other great ways. I mean, in yoga, so therapy, absolutely mm-hmm. yoga, just social, safe, finding safe, friendships and people and going on walks and, and starting some of those practices, you know, some contemplation, some meditation. I mean, these are things you hear, but they only work when you actually practice them. Right. Right. So, So true. Yeah. And, and, and what's hard about that, what I found so hard is when you have people, including myself, who, who kind of had a, it was easy to get through my life. If I didn't matter. And now you're telling me to spend 20 minutes meditating. That means that I actually have to stop and take care of myself. And when you say, hey, you know, when, when, when you're on the, when you're thinking about nutrition, hey, why don't you feed your, like, love your body and feed it good food that will make it feel good. And you're like, yeah, but I'm not worth that. No, we don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where all these good ideas that are absolutely right and true, they start to break down. When we haven't gotten to that core thing and that, that truth, that attachment of that says, Oh, but, but what you want and what you need matters.
0: Well, and I think that's why a lot of people get stuck and aren't able to make progress, whether it's health wise or, you know, relationship wise is because yes. we, we have to fix that core belief or we have to actually take time to dig into what is the core belief. And is the yeah. story that I've been telling myself, is it, is it true? Or is that just. Based on my perception, I mean, mm-hmm. our nervous system and was it, the very first thing that developed in utero. It is the most important yes. part of our body because yes. our perception determines our beliefs and our reality.
1: Absolutely. And
0: so. I mean and I think about so and then another example you know a lot of people like think about the activities that we praise as oh you're so disciplined like let's talk about <laughs> oh super my clean eating really oh, hard yes. exercise running intense yes. training for a marathon now I'm not I'm oh, not hitting yeah. on any of these people I'm just saying oh, but it's a strategy it is a strategy for a lot mm-hmm. of people who mm-hmm. their needs were not met in other ways Absolutely. And this is how they control the environment. Right. And I say this for myself, yeah. I used to do cardio Absolutely. hard, intense cardio all the time. Cause I could escape that way. It's yes. a lot harder to do yoga and slow it down
1: <laughs> and be present in my body that hasn't served. Me yes. Yet, right. Yes. I mean, it's so it seems, I mean, for my strategy, it is so much easier to work harder, you know, and even, even think about some types of maybe spiritual practices or oh, yeah. religions where, where, where the truth is maybe there, but the way we perceive the truth is work harder, try harder. Right. And then you'll be forgiven. Okay. Whatever. Work harder, work harder, try harder, try harder. Mm -hmm. Right. And we miss (laughs) that, that grace that is there Mm -hmm. so that we can heal. Yeah. So that, Yeah. yeah. So that love, we can feel loved and that love can move through us and we can love others. Because to me, that is ultimately the world you and I both want to live in. (laughs) Absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's but it 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 takes that awareness that you're talking about and being aware that it's not a bad thing that we Mm. had these behaviors that these coping mechanisms, whatever you want to call it, they're not bad things. They worked for a time. And I've said that in the past in conversations we've had before, where it's like, well, this isn't this is your this is what served you for a time, but maybe maybe it's time for something else. Like maybe you can learn
1: new tools. Cause maybe what was working in the past. Maybe it's not working anymore. And that's exactly. Yes. Yes. So, and I've learned that whatever the thing you're really good at, here's just a little, little strategies. Like think about if I just asked you like, Hey, what are you really good at? What are you really proud of? If Mm -hmm. you think about those things and you take a minute and whatever you answer, I mean, When I, whenever I have lunch, almost everyone is like, I'm proud of my children. I'm like, okay, this, I know we all are proud of our children, but (laughs) let's say you are proud of your children. What are you proud about your role in that, that you keep the house really clean, that you provide nutritious meals or that you can stop what you're doing and sit down on the floor and play with them. I mean, what, what things are you proud of that are all those are important things, right? But what do you tend to be really proud of? And, um, and you know, what is the almost opposite of that? So maybe you're really good at playing. Maybe you're like me. You're an Enneagram seven, and like, hey, I'm spontaneous, Aaron, If you're like, hey, after the podcast, you want to go grab lunch? I'm like, absolutely sure. <laughs> and then I'll be like, oh, I do need to pick pick up my kids, <laughs> 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 right? But I might tend to do that. But I might, I might, someone else, you know, that I'm maybe seeing it's the opposite, right? They're really good at structure. They're that Enneagram one perfectionist, you know, they're doers. They, they cross, they got the list. And when the kid says, Mm -hmm. Hey mom, you want to play? It's like, Oh no, don't interrupt me. And it feels like death. Right. And so my way and their way both need to kind of, kind of come into the middle, right? Where health is, Mm -hmm. where it's like, it's not a don't do my way at all. I mean, absolutely need to play with my kids or play, right? But if I don't ever do dishes and plan meals, that's going to not be good, right? That's but, it's, but the way I say it, I'm still kind about it. I'm like, hey, what am I good at? And then I say, what's harder for me to do in light of what I'm really good at? You know, so I'm really good at connecting with people. Um, so it's harder for me to kind of trust myself though. Mm. or be authentic and honest with myself because I'm so good at connecting with someone else. Well, I've got other clients I work with that said, oh, I'm real good at trusting myself. And I don't have a real hard time trusting others, mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. So when that, you know, all of these, and when they're at their um, end of the spectrums, right, they, they, those are things that will kind of get in the way and that's okay. We all, me, you know, I have it. I know, Erin that you have it. The reason I know you have, because you're a human, <laughs> You know, it's that simple. So all of your listeners, they all have these things and it's okay. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's something, and I I really feel like it's nothing to feel um like ashamed of by any means. Like it's in the way, maybe at times, but it's also your greatest strength. Yeah. And it makes me a really good counselor, Erin. It Mm -hmm. makes you amazing at doing these podcasts. And so, you know it works
0: yeah yeah that's good I, th- and that's such a good that's a good thing to keep in mind as we become more self aware and on this healing journey because i don't know if perfect healing is ever going to happen this side of heaven <laughs> no. but nope. i think it's in order time. to show up you know because a lot well why do i need to work on myself why do i need to do this why do I, why do i care you know I, to show up for other people and for life and to have the quality of life that I think we all really want to have, we kind of have to dig into the hard stuff, you know, and we do kind of have yeah. to get into that why and the motivations, because it does make things, I, want, I don't want to say easier, but yeah, but kind of, I mean, I, I like marriage, for example, I say this, Richard and I, we've had to work through some really hard things like on our own parts before mm-hmm. we can even do anything on a relationship level together, you know, and it's, yeah. con- it's continual. And so I think. Yeah it, and and it makes things better. So I don't know, I just for anybody who's going, oh, mm-hmm. that's a lot of work. I don't want
1: to dig that hard. I don't want to go that deep. You don't have to all at once. At you all. No, you don't. And you know, really, you you'd really don't have to. So I just say it right now, you have permission to not do anything. Mm-hmm. And I'd see it more as just it's an invitation. Mm-hmm. One step at a time. It's just an invitation to kind of get to know you because you matter. Mm. Because you're worth it. Yeah. And I know that can sound kind of trite, but like, just think if, if, if you really started to believe that, think about what might that free you up to be, to feel and to do. Yeah. Yeah. Man,
0: I knew we were going to run over. This is so good. This is such, a, I love such it. a good conversation. And I'm so grateful that we live in the same city now and we work at the same place. <laughs> and yeah. I, it just thrills me that you are bringing all of this knowledge to all of the counselors at Living Well and everybody else like me who works there Mm -hmm. and to our tiny little East Texas town where there are a lot of people who are holding on to a lot of things Mm -hmm. that may not be theirs to hold on to. And so I just thank you for Mm -hmm. what you do and the message that you are sharing Mm -hmm. because you matter and your work matters. And I think that's important. It is. Thank you. Well, I feel thank, that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show. And you guys can find more about Heather at livingwelltyler.com. Anything else you want to add? Any anywhere else you want people to to find you or <laughs> just living well. Does that work?
1: Well, my strategies I like to be hidden. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Well, <laughs> absolutely. Just yeah, the way Erin you said. And yeah, feel free to reach out anytime. Um, I love to be able to be available and be present. And, um, I thank you for the work you do, Erin. It really, really matters. So it's thank a, you. It's
0: cool. It's what we get to do at where we work. the place we work is amazing, mm-hmm. incredible, and such a mm-hmm. joy. So thanks again. This is great. I know we went over, but I hope that this was valuable for you guys who are listening. It, I know it's been valuable for me. So thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, Erin.